Morning, guys. Lovely to be with you this morning and to be able to share the word, to share the word with you. And um, yeah, I'm really trusting that um, Jesus will be glorified this morning and no flesh, no man made thing here, but Jesus Christ, our Savior, who rescued us out of darkness, um, that he will be magnified this morning. And the word I'd like to speak to us about is a word that I brought to the elders, and they said, Dex, I think we, you need to speak this to the church, speak this word, and that's the word I'd like to share with you this morning. And um, it's about timidity, being timid, you know, the state of being shy. And um, just on, on last week's time of worship, Eric, I don't know if you remember, Eric brought a word, but he brought a word about um, a bird in a cage, you know, a bird being locked up in a cage. And that was with me the whole week. And that reminded me of timidity, of when we are timid, when we are shy, when we are fearful. Um, it's as if we are locked up in a cage, like a little bird. And we're not meant to be in, in a cage. We're meant to be, you know, the Bible says that the Lord lifts us up on wings of eagles. And we're actually meant to be soaring high above every tempest and every storm and every trial and every tribulation and every fear. But we do actually find ourselves in a cage sometimes, and that prohibits us. That being in that cage, being in a cage of fear, of timidity, um, prohibits us from everything that, go that God has called us to be. But it also prohibits us from just being social. And so I think, you know, there's something that the Lord wants to address in our lives. And we all have fears in different areas and that, that has stemmed and that has happened from different things that have happened in our lives. And um, I think the Lord wants to give us some keys this morning, just a couple of keys to help us with timidity, to help us with, for those of us that find ourselves in that cage sometimes, in that fear. For some of us, it's too, you know, we're too scared to preach, or too, too, too scared to preach the gospel. For some of us, we are too scared to open our mouths just in a community setting. And I want to open up with 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 in the King James Version, because that's the authorized version. <laughs> if we can go there, you can open up in your Bibles while I have a quick refreshment. And it says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And if you look at that word fear, there are different fears in the Bible. And one of the fears that the Bible talks about is a sheer terror of the Lord. There's a terror. And if I think of the, the terror of the Lord, a terrifying time, I think of Matthew 22, where Jesus speaks about what's going to happen one day, just before we're worshiping him with the angels for all eternity. There's going to be a wedding feast. And many people in this lifetime, they are invited to that feast. But many say, no, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not interested in the gospel. I'm not interested in the salvation of Jesus Christ. I'm not interested that he died on the cross for my sins. And those are the people that would reject the wedding invitation. And we all that call upon the name of Jesus, we have already been invited and we've already accepted that invitation. And so we are going to be with him at, at, at that wedding feast. And then we are going to be with him for all eternity. 
But in that parable, um, the story, it's a picture story of what's going to happen in the end. Um, the father of the bridegroom, the Lord, he goes around and he looks at all the people and he sees which of them um, have wedding jackets on. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit and the authority that you have to be his child. And there's one man there that doesn't have a jacket on. And he says to him, um, son, where's your jacket? And the man's got no answer whatsoever. It says he's speechless because he knew that he had time on earth to respond to the gospel, to receive what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross. But he refused the grace and the blood of Jesus. And then it says that the father of the bridegroom says to his servants, who are the strong angels that Tony was talking about just now, um, in the song, he commands them to take this one that hasn't got the jacket and to throw him, toss him into the outer darkness where there's a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. And that is a terrifying time because for all eternity, that person will know that they had an opportunity to come to Christ, but they said no, and it was too late. And that's the terror that the Bible speaks about. And the reason why I say that is there might be one or two people here today that need to hear that because maybe you haven't come into a relationship with Jesus and I want to give you an opportunity at the end of this preach to actually say, you know what, I need that jacket. Christ hasn't forgiven me of my sins. I don't know where I'm going one day when I die. There's a fear. In fact, I'm in a certain type of cage where I don't know that if the end comes, I'm going to be with Jesus. But that is the one fear, and it's a, it's a terror. And that just makes us want to preach the gospel to people. Then there's, an, then there's another fear. I'm on the wrong page. I fear I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> then there's another fear, and that's the fear of the Lord. It's like a deep respect. You know that you know that the Lord, He created the heavens and the earth, and He loves you, and He sent His Son to die for you. And when He speaks, the mountains crumble. The, 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 the mountains turn to wax as He speaks. He's an all-powerful, all-knowing God. And he's in you. He's living in you by his Holy Spirit. And there's a fear, a deep respect for him. That's the other type of fear. And that's a good fear to have. It's a healthy fear. And then it speaks of this fear. For God has not given us this, this fear. And it's the Greek word is dilea. Dilea. And it means timidity. And it's actually a fear of social interaction. It's a fear of social interaction. And the Lord has not given us that fear. He has not given us a fear to be socially interactive. But there is that fear. And that fear does come from somewhere. And it does come from someone. And that comes from the devil. And it comes from Satan. And he puts fear into us. And he wants us to live in that fear, and he wants to, us to live in that cage to prevent us from being socially interactive. Not only in the kingdom that we can be socially interactive and preach the gospel, but also just in everyday lives. That you aren't afraid to speak, that you aren't afraid to step out, that you aren't afraid to bring something into the crowd. That is from the devil. And that is his plan to keep us quiet in fear, to keep us in that birdcage keep us locked up, instead of being like an eagle, like you like a little budgie, chip, chip, chip. And the Lord wants to, and I, the reason why I speak this is because I've experienced that in my life where I've been very fearful. 
and the Lord has had to come and help me and still is helping me to step out of that cage. And um, the Lord has given us some keys this morning. And some of us might be in that cage for different reasons. For me, I know I've been, when I came into the kingdom, the Lord saved me and um, he raised me up in his church and I came onto eldership four years ago. And years later, as an elder, I'm like, there's still some fear in my life. There's still some fear. I'm still, in some areas, there are still some locks on this cage, and I need to get out of it. Because the Lord wants me not to. He has, that fear doesn't come from him. It comes from the devil. And it's his plan that we, will be, that we won't be socially interactive. But, we, but when, you know, it says that when, when the devil comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard, and he's got a plan for us this morning. I remember when I was, um, oh. <laughs> when I was a little boy, my mom used to say, oh, don't worry about Declan, he's, he's just shy. That's why he's not speaking. He's just, he's just a shy boy. And actually, that word shy is, is insecure. What my mom didn't know, she's not saved, is actually what she should have said was, no, Declan's actually very insecure. He's very fearful that if he opens his mouth, he's going to be embarrassed. Because he had a father who was very abusive, and he was bullied as a child, and he was hurt. And actually, if he opens his mouth, he's going to be embarrassed, he's going to be ridiculed, he's going to be told he's nothing, he's going to be told he's a has-been, and he's going to be affected, and he's too scared to open his mouth. And I used to look at my father, um, and I was too scared to open my mouth, for fear that he was going to embarrass me, and even abused me, sometimes in front of my family and some of my friends. He used to make me bend down, he would take the shambok and he would hit me in front of, and I was too scared to talk. And that was a fear from a small boy that I've had. And years later, I come into the church, and I look at leaders, and I look at elders, and in the back of my mind, it's like I've got a fear to speak, I've got a fear to share things, because what if they're going to ridicule me? What if they're going to hurt me? And I find myself in a cage, even as an elder, even as a leader. And sometimes I cover up that fear by evangelizing. Sometimes I cover up that fear by being bold and strong and courageous. Sometimes I cover up that fear by doing works. But the Lord, how many know that the Lord, He likes to come back and just touch on things. To say, hey, you're doing these great things, my boy, but we are still going to deal with some issues inside of you. And that's what the Lord is wanting to do. He's wanting to deal with those fears. And so for me, I was also bullied. And that brought a fear into me. I was thinking of some other stories, but maybe it's not necessary to go there. So we look at the first key in Acts chapter 4, from verse 29 to 30. Acts chapter 4, from verse 29 to 30. And now, Lord, it says, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness as while you stretch out your hands to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Can you carry on? And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and continue to speak the word of God um, with boldness. I just want to say these are the disciples, these are God's apostles who were men that were full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy, Holy Ghost. That's in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 1, they got the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will speak for me all over the world. When the power of God comes upon you, it speaks about the, the dynamite power. And in Acts chapter 2, the power did come upon them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter, um, the, the, the apostle who was full of timidity, full of fear, who denied Jesus three times, he was filled with the Spirit. And he preached the gospel. Wasn't cared if he was going to get locked up. Because at the time, if you preach the gospel, you get locked up, you could get killed. And people did get killed. But he was full of power and he was full of faith. In Acts chapter 3, they healed a, a lame man who was lame from, I think, from birth. And there were signs and wonders. And all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 4, they get arrested for preaching the gospel. And they get threatened. And through the threat, fear comes upon them. And there's a fear inside of them. There's a fear that comes upon them. A timidity. Fear of being socially interactive. They started off somewhere. They started off in power. But because of a little voice, just a little threat, fear enveloped them again. But when they prayed, together they prayed. Tony was speaking just now about lifting up the name of Jesus and heaven is shaken. And it says, but when they prayed, they prayed together and they cried out to the Lord. And what happened was the area where they were dwelling, the, the place was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to preach the gospel in power again. And there were signs and wonders once again. And I think that's for many of us in our lives. We come to Jesus we experienced the Holy Spirit, myself, when I first got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel, even on trains. We used to catch a train from church to the men's home I was in, and we used to preach the gospel on the train and see people get saved. And then things happened in our walk as Christians, just like it was. If it happened to the apostles, it'll happen to us. And fear has crept in. And for some of us, it's been maybe through an insult, maybe it's been through um, an offense, Maybe it's been through the Lord reminds you of a hurt that you experienced when you were younger. And it brings about an insecurity. Just like with these men. But it says when they prayed, there was power. When they prayed to the Lord, the power of God came into that place and it shook. It shook the place where they were. And they were filled with power again. And I, I remember when I, was, um, when I came into the church for the first five years in this church, I was on drugs. And I just couldn't get off. I just couldn't get off the drugs. Eventually, the Lord had to take me from that high to, to his high. But I mean, I was just off to that high. And, but I, I'd experienced the Lord. And so I, I experienced his fire and his Holy Spirit, but also I was still in bondage. It's like many people in the church, they've experienced the Lord, they're saved, but they're still in bondage in certain areas. And one of the areas where I was in bondage was drugs. And I remember going to Brooklyn, and I was on um, one night, and I did drugs the whole night. Till early hours in the morning, I'd pawn my motorbike, um, they, and they wouldn't let me go, these dealers. And I was in such a fearful place. I was so, I was so scared. And I remember lying on the couch about 3, 4 in the morning, and I'm, the guys are watching me, and I can't get anywhere. The money must first come, and then they'll let me and my bike go. And I'm actually f fearful for my life. I'm so paranoid now. The drugs are wearing off. And I'm like, yo, I was just in community the other day. I was just in church the other day. Things were going so well. And I, I'm in this place of fear. I'm in this 
in this cage, in Eric's cage that he was talking about, and I just couldn't get out there. And I'm lying on this, um, on this, this two-seater lounge suite thing, and I'm, oh, I'm so scared. But somehow from inside, I'm saying, Lord, I know I messed up again. But please, will you please help me? And I'm thinking of my daughter. She was 10 years old at the time of nine. I'm thinking I'm such a bad father and all these thoughts. And I said, God, please, will you give me one more chance? And, and all of a sudden, I feel a strength rise up in me. And I go to the dealer's door. He's in the one room doing all sorts of stuff. And I can hear what's going on there. And, and I'm tormented in my spirit. And, and uh, I speak to him. I say to him, I need to go. And a boldness comes upon me, and I go. And they let me go. And the guy was watching me. As he lets me out, he looks at me, and he's all fearful. There's a fear upon his face. I'm like, I'm supposed to be scared here. Why are you scared? And I go out, I get on my motorbike, and I drive from Brooklyn, 4 or 5 in the morning, no lights on that little bike, all the way back to Tableview. And I begin to read my Bible a few days later, and the Lord shows me how he delivered me out of that, that hellhole, out of that cesspool of filth, and out of, that, out of that horrible place. And I'm reading through 2 Samuel 22, and it says there, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I'm saved from my enemies. The ways of death swirled about me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave called around me, the snares of death confronted me, ensnared me. And it says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, I called to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. The earth, it says, the earth trembled and quaked, the foundations of the heaven shook. The foundations of the heaven shook. And it goes on to say that he parted the heavens and came down, and dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and he flew, and he soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, even the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thunders from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered the enemies. Bolts of lightning enrooted them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from an eye and took hold of me. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Hallelujah. <laughs> he saved me. But I want to say, you know, it was from a place of fear, of being on that couch, absolutely fearful, and crying out to him, and he helped me. He helped me as I prayed to him and as I cried out to him. The foundations of the heaven shook. When the apostles prayed, the, the place where the, area, where the word was, it shook. And um, I was in a place of sin when I cried out to him, but I was his child. And many of us, maybe in this room, we are struggling with different things, different sins, different bondages, and we find ourselves in a cage of fear. But I want to say that whether you are struggling with drugs, or whether it's a fear of whatever it might be, a fear of being socially interactive, a fear of sharing with your family what's actually on your heart, what's actually troubling you, the fear of just speaking in public. Maybe, actually, you're in some type of bondage and you have an addiction, like I had. Maybe you just can't get away from prescription tablets. Or maybe you're addicted to porn. Maybe you're in a, 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 addicted to sex. Whatever it is, I want to say that when you, when you cry out to the Lord, He doesn't just listen. He does something. 
And I want to say to us this morning, for all of us that might be struggling in some area, in some fear, and we find ourselves in some cage, and we just can't get out of that cage, one of the keys that the Lord wants to give us this morning is prayer. That when we pray to Him and we cry out to Him, He does something. He makes a dramatic entrance from, that, from the stratosphere to the atmosphere. <laughs> but He does. He does something dramatic that which we don't see. What Nick was talking about, the things we don't see, we're going to worship Him for all eternity. But even now, He's waiting for us to cry out to Him. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that later on, to cry out to the Lord and see what He does in our lives. Because we cry out to Him by faith. I had to cry out to Him in that drug house by faith. And He came and He rescued me dramatically. And so for all of us, if you're struggling with something today, we're going to cry out to the Lord later. So that's one of the keys I wanted to mention, is the key of prayer. We must be a people that pray and cry out to the Lord and see what He's going to do. It says that God opposes the proud in James chapter 4, verse 6, but He gives grace to the humble. He empowers you. He gives you a supernatural empowerment if you will humble yourself. The supernatural comes and boom, it gives you strength. Amen? So that is our first key. It's prayer. It's crying out to the Lord and seeing how He shakes the heavens for you because He loves you. And he loves me. Don't forget about me. <laughs> you know, something that the enemy does when we want to share something, sometimes at church, he'll say, just, just, you know, just share something and just see how it doesn't work out. Just share something on your heart. Just, just share the scripture that you got and, and ugh, people aren't going to believe you. You're not, you're not like one of us. You know? You're not like one of them. You, you're a bit different. That's what the enemy's been saying to me for many years. You have a difference. You, you've got a bad background. You're not like the other guys. That's the, that's the devil. That's, that's from Satan. We must recognize that. So our second key, I want us to look at the first book of Kings. There are three keys. In, in, case, in case I get to the second key and you're thinking, geez, how many more keys is this guy going to talk about? <laughs> Come on. But there are three keys. So the second key, I want us to go to the first book of Kings, chapter 19, from verse 9. And this is a story about Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. For those of you who don't know, a prophet in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, is somebody that hears from God. He's full of the Spirit, or she. There was a prophetess as well, Deborah. She's full of the Spirit, and they hear from God for the people. And they tell the people about their future. They tell the people about their sin, and... That's their job. They prophesy. God's special prophets. And Elijah was one of these prophets. And the Lord used him mightily for miracles. The Spirit of God was upon Elijah. He was a powerful prophet. And um, there came a time when he put 450 prophets of Baal to death. There was a sort of a test. They dug a big pit. And Elijah filled it with water, and he said to the people of Israel, Look, you've got these 450 prophets of Baal. Let them cry out to their God to bring fire upon the sacrifice. And there's Elijah on his own, and he says, And then afterwards, I'll cry out to my God to bring fire upon the sacrifice, a fire from heaven. And the 450 prophets of Baal, I mean, they eventually end up cutting themselves so desperate, you know, crying out in a sense to Satan to bring a fire, but there was nothing. But when Elijah prayed, the fire came down. He said, first fill this place with water. And the fire came down, licked up 
all the water and then brought the sacrifice. And in that way, all the prophets were recognized to be false and they were all put to death. And so he did a great thing. He was doing great things in the kingdom of, in the, kingdom of the Lord. And then a woman came along, Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, and threatened him and said, by tomorrow, what you did to these prophets is going to happen to you. And he ran away. After doing all these great things, he ran away just with a threat. One little voice came into his mind, and he ran. And he found himself in a cave, locked up in this little cave, hiding away there. Like Eric's cage he was talking about last week, that fear, hiding away from the things that God has called him to do. And if we read from verse 9, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I, am only left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore up the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Here's a man living in fear in his cave. And the Lord said to him, Go, return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Maholoa, must be careful how I pronounce his words, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And I want to say that this mighty man, who was a prophet, who was full of faith, and also full of power, and full of signs, and full of wonders, ended up into, in a cave, ended up in a place of fear, where the enemy had come to keep him from the things of the Lord, to keep him from the things of God, walking in the things of the Lord. And what came to him, what helped him, a key to unlock him out of that cave, was just a word. Just a word. And it says it wasn't in the wind, or the earthquake, or the fire. You know, sometimes the, 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 the word comes with wind, sometimes it comes with earthquake, and sometimes it comes with fire. Sometimes it can come, and the Lord can really speak, and you can hear him, and the mountains crumble. But sometimes it's just a gentle whisper. First Kings 19, 12. It was just a gentle whisper that came and said, Elisha, what are you doing here? Come, I've got work for you to do. Go, go anoint that king. Go anoint the next one coming after you. And just a simple word. And Elijah came out of the cave and he went to go and he went to go and do those things. And I want to say 
that sometimes it's just a simple word that the Lord will come and give us as a key to unlock the fear that we find ourselves in. Just a simple word. And I must say, Elijah wasn't even looking for the word. The word actually came to him. I want to say it's so important for us to read our Bibles. It's so important for us we've, to read the word. Because therein, there are lots of keys to unlock lots of issues that we find ourselves in. Just as an example, I was struggling one day with rejection. And I found myself to be a bit rude in an elders meeting. And when I went home, the Lord said to me, Declan, you were arrogant. Actually, he didn't even call me by name. I just felt I was arrogant. Don't want to sound all re re religious here. Oh, Declan, my son. <laughs> but I knew that I was arrogant. And I said, Lord, do you have a word for me to help me? And he gave me this word, Romans 12, 10. I do love each other with brotherly love, and I do one another in showing honor. And in that, I felt the Lord said, Declan, when you're in a setting like that again, don't worry about you. I do everybody else in showing honor. And as I began to do that, I didn't have to worry about that rejection because the focus wasn't on me. It wasn't on him. But sometimes the Lord will just come just with a little word, and it will be a key to unlock you from the fear that you find yourself in. And that was what Elijah had to hear, just a word, just an encouragement from the Lord, a word to actually set him free, to set him back in, in, in the purposes that God had for him. A while back, I was struggling with, she's going to hear a lot about my struggles today, but a while back, I was really struggling with self and wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard in the kingdom. We go through that, all of us. We deal with that pride. I want to be seen. I want to be known as the man of God. I want to stand out. I want to do great things. And um, I didn't ask for a word to help me with that. <laughs> I know it sounds very evil, <laughs> and it is. But I wasn't asking for a word um, to help me with that. But as I'm reading, the Lord sorted me out. I was reading through Jeremiah, and I got to chapter 45, the, the shortest chapter in the book of Jeremiah in verse 5, and it says there, are you seeking great things for yourself? Jeremiah 45, verse 5, it says, are you seeking great things for yourself? He says, seek them not, for behold, I'm bringing disaster upon all flesh. <laughs> and so the Lord spoke to me, and, and it helped me. I was actually in a place of bondage, you know, when you want to make yourself God in a sense, when you're full of pride, you're actually in a place of bondage. And when that word came, the Lord said to me, Declan, you're seeking great things for yourself. Don't seek them. But the help also came. And he said, I'm going to bring disaster upon all flesh. I'm going to help you die to all those things. All that pride, I'm going to bring it. And I'm going to sort you out. Just a word that came to help me. And it actually brought me freedom. I can actually walk around now. Okay, I don't have to prove myself. He's the king, not me. And... Um, it's the word that comes sometimes. It's so important for us to read our Bibles and to say, Lord, this is the area where I'm struggling. This is the area where I'm struggling, Lord. I'm struggling in this area. Do you have a word for me? And that word will come like a gentle voice sometimes. And the Lord will just say to you, that's it. And you're, wow, it'll set you free. But I want to say that sometimes that gentle voice 1 Kings 19, 12, a gentle voice. Sometimes that gentle voice comes by way of accountable relationships. Sometimes it comes, and many times for me, it has come by having accountable relationships. Because Jesus Christ is living in each and every one of you that call on his name by his spirit, living in you, dwelling in you. And when we get together, he speaks. And so I've often found when I've dealt with things in my own life, 
I've had an elder that I'm accountable to. I'm, a, I'm accountable to all the elders. I can share anything with Nick or Tony or Cliff, any of the elders, Dan. And I can share with them my struggles. And there's, in fact, at one stage I couldn't because I was fearful. How are they going to look at me? And Dan spoke to me the one day and said, Declan, the stuff that you experienced as a youngster, how did you view that leadership? I said, no, it was terrible. He says, yeah, well, we're not that leadership. This is God's kingdom. That's a different leadership that hurt you, that made you distrust. And so I've had to trust the Lord and for his voice, even as I've met with Cliff many times. And I said to him, Cliff, this is what I'm struggling with. These are the fears that I have. And then you say, Dex, well, you know what? Maybe you need to do this. Maybe you just need to take a breath and just make it not about you. Or Dex, and I said to him just the other day after the last elders meeting, I said, Cliff, I've got an, I had an issue with someone just the other day. I just want you to know what I was feeling. I, I, I just want to share that. Because I realize that as I share these things, God's grace comes. Boom. And he empowers me and he helps me. I said, Cliff, this is what I was feeling about this person. He said, Dex, love believes the best. I'm like, yo. That's so good. Love believes the best. I wasn't believing the best for this person. I wasn't believing the best. Knowing that, and then I'm like, wow, I'm in a process. This person is also in a process. If God is patient with me and kind with me every day, he's doing the same with that person. And that, that word was like a key for me. Just a gentle voice that came. Dex, love believes the best. It was a gentle word. And I was, whoop, I was out that cage. I was out that cage. Because the word came gently. Amen? So that's the first two keys. We're coming to landing on the third key. <laughs> the first two keys, the first one is prayer. And then it's the word. And sometimes the word is not only the word of God, but in accountable relationships. Listening and submitting one to another. Amen? Thank you. And then for our third key, I want us to go to our opening scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. And it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. It's almost like there's, you've got fear on the left from the devil, and then you've got power, love, and a sound mind on the other side. Almost like here's the poison, and here's the antidote. And I want to say you can have the power. I've prayed for some people, and many of us have prayed for some people, and I've seen them healed, but I've still had a bit of a fear to be socially interactive. And you can have love in your heart, and you can love people, and um, even practically, you can bless them, but you can still have a fear of being socially interactive. You can still have a fear of things. And that word in the Greek, the sound mind, power, love, and a sound mind, that word in the Greek means a mind of self-control and discipline. Self-control and discipline. And I want to say that if we're not controlling and disciplining that which comes into our mind, just like I did with Elijah that got him into that cave. Just like I did with the apostles that eventually had to cry out to God because they were fearful. If we are not controlling what comes into our mind, fear can come in. And I've realized that a lot, even as meetings that I've gone to, I've thought all sorts of things. Or, or a coffee that I've had to have with, have with another elder. You know, he's going to speak into my life and what's he going to say? And, you know, he's going to... And all these thoughts are coming into my mind, and I'm allowing them. I'm even planning things already beforehand. Before I go into this meeting, this is what I'm going to say. You know, if he says this, I'm going to say that. And it says in the Bible, uh, God says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. And your plans are not my plans. 
And as I began to think of this, I thought of a factory, an apple factory. An apple factory. Our mind is like that, with a little man inside. And all the apples are coming in from all the farms. And there are some apples that are rotten. And there's a little man inside the, in the factory there, and he's saying, this apple is not welcome here. This apple is not allowed to dwell here. And those are the thoughts that come into our mind. Sometimes it's violent thoughts. Sometimes it'll be thoughts of what are they going to say? Or they are probably going to say that. Or they're probably going to do that. Or it's sexual thoughts. Or thoughts of doing things that we used to do. And the enemy loves to come. It says in Ephesians 6, and he puts arrows, he puts thoughts into our mind. And so we have a responsibility actually to have a sound mind. A mind that's of self-discipline, the Greek says. And that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and in self-control. And so I want to say to us that we not only do we pray and receive the word, but we also have a responsibility to deal with what comes into this mind, what comes into this head. We have a responsibility to deal with it. No bad apples in here. Every day, and it's a work. As we put this to practice, it's a work. And all of a sudden, you find yourself thinking bad thoughts, and there's a repentance, Lord, I'm sorry. That apple must go. I want to say that your body belongs to Christ. Your soul, your spirit, man, belongs to Jesus Christ. But your mind also, it's the mind of Christ. It belongs to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you won't have any bad thoughts. Because he knows what those thoughts do. Those thoughts bring you into a cave. Those thoughts bring you into a cage to be a little budgie where God has called you to be an eagle. So we do have that responsibility. This mind, it belongs to Jesus. He bought it with his precious blood, and we allow no thoughts, no negative thoughts, no bad thoughts to come in. They will come in. It's a given, the Bible says. It's a given. They will come in, but we have a responsibility to have a sound mind, to deal with every thought, to bind it, to crush it, to rebuke it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? And that's what we have to do. So as we come to a close, we must remember this going forward. It's the prayer. Prayer is going to help you unlock yourself from that place of fear. Prayer, praying. Now it says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but sometimes the prayer of a sinner crying out to God, help me God, it helpeth much. He's going to help you in that place. And then it's the word, listening for that word. But sometimes, in accountable relationships, being accountable with your community leader, God's put him there for a reason. Whether he's younger than you, less or more educated, whether you think you're more clever and you know better, God's put him there for a reason. And for you to also come under your elders and bring those things into the light. Just like I do with Cliff, just like I do with Nick, and they speak into my life. And Tony... And some of, the, some of you, I share with you my, the things I struggle with. God does something, a word comes. Okay? We're landing now. Why don't we, why don't we close our eyes? And um, do you want to say something, Nick? Um, we're going to just have a time of ministry. So the things that Declan have shared, we, we, we want to just give an opportunity for us now just to respond. So the areas, uh, the areas of fear, 
Um, and that scripture, you know, God it hasn't given us a spirit of, of fear, a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of love and of power and of sound mind. Um, so, you guys are really quiet. I need some. Uh, so, just as <laughs> we're going to just start, a, we're going to have the last week I told the keyboard not to play, and I was all quiet. <laughs> play it up. Let's. Uh, um, so I just want to give us an opportunity to respond to that. But I, I wanted to just say on taking thoughts captive, you know, as, as we think, as we think, so we become. That's what, that's what the word says. So what we're allowed to ponder on our mind, um, we put into action. And, and action become habits, and habits becomes a culture. And we want to have kingdom culture and kingdom habits. So we have to take every thought captive. So control what you're thinking. Um, but we need to be enabled in all of these things by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power that comes on high. And it's a constant infilling and a constant renewing of the Spirit working in us and filling us. You know, um, Declan spoke about, you know, in, in chapter 2 in Acts where they received power from on high and Peter was emboldened to share the gospel. That was... Um, Pentecost, you know, we celebrate the day of Pentecost when the Spirit fell amongst us. <clears throat> and God has given us that, you know. Th that was uh, 50 days after Jesus was crucified, they received the, the Spirit. And it was the time where the Jews were celebrating another festival. 50 days after Passover was another festival where they were celebrating Moses receiving the law. So Moses received the law to show them how to live according to God's ways. But then after the crucifixion, which happened on Passover, 50 days later, they received the Holy Spirit to enable them to live in, in the ways of God. So we're no longer under the law now. We're under the, the anointing of the Spirit, which enables us to live a godly life, to take thoughts captive, to walk in power, to walk in sound mind. So we're going um, we're gonna to pray that you would receive power from the Holy Spirit this morning, that you would receive these, these tools and uh, God would equip us to not walk in fear, not live in fear, to enable us to take every thought captive in line with um, the ways of the Lord. You know, when I often when, when these um, filthy thoughts come and thoughts of um, the flesh it's a conscious decision, like, God, that is a lie. Identifying what is truth and what is a lie. And, and to not go there, to change what I'm thinking about. And I often just change my mind onto, you know, Jesus ra rising from the dead or Jesus ministering to people, um, Jesus on the cross. There's many things to think about, things that are, um, things are eternal as opposed to things that are temporary. All right, so let's close our eyes. Let's reach our hands. In fact, everyone just... Um, Position your hands in, in a, a posture to receive. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us the power. You sent your Holy Spirit, God, to teach us what is truth and to know the difference between what is true and what is a lie. God, you, you've given us your Holy Spirit 
to enable us to walk in a righteous way, God. To be righteous before you, Father. Lord, we need your Spirit this morning. We need your Spirit, Father. So even now as we pray and we open up our hearts, would you fill us anew? Fill us anew this morning, God. Come, Lord Jesus. Open your heart right now. Every area, every area of fear. Father, where there's darkness, would you bring light into every area of darkness right now by the power of your Spirit, Jesus. Just receive him this morning. Receive the Holy Spirit. We receive from you, Lord. We receive from you, God. You're faithful, God. How much more do you give us? More than we ever ask for, dream of, or imagine, God. When we ask for your Spirit, how much more do you give us? Thank you, Lord. I don't want to rush this time. Would you just open your hearts to him? Keep receiving. Thank you, Jesus. You do not leave us as orphans, God. I think just as, as we in this position of just hearing God and, and responding to Him, that actually we recognize what He's, what he's saying to us. You know? And I, I think that word that uh, Tony brought earlier was so key in that that the, our foundations, as we cry out, holy, 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 Lord, our foundations are shaken. And sometimes those foundations are how we've lived our lives, how we protect ourselves, how we uh, surround ourselves and, and in a sense, uh, allow those things not to touch us. And actually, God wants to shake us to the core and break those, those foundations that we've put around ourselves to secure us um, and, 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 and Declan gave us important keys of actually stepping out of that place of, 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 of protecting ourselves to step out and, and having a desire to see God to, to, for Him to change us and that was that prayer that, that, that prayer to Him you know? and then he mentioned accountable relationships you know, and as we walk this out with those, it's, we can come this, this morning and just say, God, change me. And He will. But it's, it's part of that is, that is a real desire to see change in us, to break those foundations that we've had in our lives. And actually, how are we going to do that? We need each other. We need accountable relationships. And so maybe as we close, um, you know, this morning, as we... Maybe we sing a song um, of surrender to Him. But I don't want to just leave it there. It's, it's, you know, this morning is this morning. And, and uh, you know, tomorrow morning you're going to wake up. But if you're not going to have the desire and, and, and to pray and ask God, God, come, change, bring change. You're not going to have the boldness to phone someone up and say, uh, help me walk this out. This is, this is happening in my life. We're not going we, to see God come, and we're not going to be able to, to really say, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. So let, let's pray. Let's present our hearts this morning as we close um, and say, Lord, come. I want, 
I want to be able to say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. I want you to, Lord, I want you to shake my foundations, Lord, that I can be changed, Lord, that, that you can come and transform me, God, to be the person that you've created me to be, not the person that I have formulated and uh, put in walls, put in foundations in my life of how I to, am to respond and how am I to respond in the situation. Lord, I want you to transform me. I want you to change me. Lord, we present our hearts to you this morning, Lord. Come bring change, Lord. Lasting change. Break those foundations, God, that we've put in place. God, we want you because we want you, because we see you, Lord, because you are holy, Lord. You are holy, Lord. And maybe just let's your hearts cry this morning. I want to say, do something about it. That you phone someone, that you have a desire to, to pray, Lord, change me. Get into the word and allow him to transform you. Get into accountable relationships so you can be accountable.